0: You know, I've always really wanted to have long paws. Except not really.
1: Long paws just as in long hands or actual paws that are like elongated. You decide. Choose your own adventure with paws. I always really liked those books. There were only like two of them, I think, that existed in. uh, I don't remember if it was. High school's library or. Which library? There was somewhere that they had like two of them and I really liked them because, you know.
0: A long time ago in a library far, far away.
1: Yeah, exactly. There were They'd books. Get to the page and you would be not like... Not
0: more because haven't they opened been defunded? No, never
1: mind. I don't know. Books?
0: But books have been defunded.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no more books. <laughs> Burn your library card. Not the books, though, because that's not cool. We don't do that anymore. Just
0: library card? I feel like that would actually be very damaging to the environment considering that a lot of library cards
1: are made out of plastic. Oh yeah. Well, so don't burn your library cards. Don't burn. Don't burn anything. A public Just service announcement. Don't burn your library cards. Only you can prevent library card fires. Yeah, also don't set fire to libraries. Just no fires ever. Freeze to death. Fire ah in the great north. No warmth. Does fire work in the Mom's great spaghetti. north? There you know you can't have fires because you could start a fire and then the fire would handcuff mom spaghetti. And sweaty because of mom's spaghetti. Does, so does that mean that
0: then like mom's spaghetti was bad or something? So you're having food poisoning?
1: Is that why you're just <laughs> having some adverse reaction to the food. Yeah. No. It's not something I've really stopped to contemplate in depth. Well, it's not really something I've stopped contemplating. Ever. Ah, uh, Since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of... So anyway. In the beginning of time where the libraries came from that are far, far away. There, oh, shoot. What were those? Mo- I think actually there's a series of movies that are called just uh The Librarian. Hmm. And it's like about this person who like goes back and works in a time. library. But it's like it's like a fantasy sci-fi kind of library sort of deal. Like they're like the keepers of knowledge throughout all time or something. Mm-hmm. And he has to like keep the knowledge safe i'm doing a really bad job describing it but i just remember watching it like well half awake at one point back home so there you go is this like a
0: glass half full half empty were you half awake or half asleep like does that mean you're like a fundamentally sleepy person or a fundamentally energetic person
1: this sounds a little too philosophical for me
0: well just like the wikipedia game first click to philosophy
1: yeah I always liked doing that as a way to goof off in class in elementary school slash middle school slash high school slash Slash anytime there was a computer
0: (laughs) (laughs) slash working a job. Yeah, there was uh, games are just one of those pastimes for when you're truly bored of everything else.
1: Yeah, there was uh, some class that we were in a computer lab and there was like just nothing going on. So me and the person who were sitting next to each other would be like. Okay, now try to get to this article, and you click random article on Wikipedia. Then you could only navigate through like the links on the page, Mm -hmm. like the body text itself, to try and get to the page that they said. So like, it's like get to John Cena, and you click random page, and then you have to like start at you know (laughs) Greek literature and find your way to John Cena.
0: Yeah, we were we were playing a little bit before we started recording this, and um, you know if you click the first link on every page eventually you get to this loop that takes you to philosophy and it's really, really easy to get to. It doesn't even take that long, um, oh. but there's all sorts of like interesting paths to get there.
1: Yeah. I, it, it's just, it's interesting how everything kind of comes back to philosophy, but yeah, like once you get sort of, once you hit like Greek or linguistics or knowledge or like any of those <laughs> yeah. areas, you're like, Oh, I'm like, yep. in the home stretch already.
0: Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it makes sense because it's the information is somewhat structured hierarchically. So like if you're talking about an abstract concept it's like you you start with the most like general descriptions right so those are going to be the first terms that show up on the page that are also links yeah so it, it like it makes sense just with the way the information is structured but it's also just kind of cool to see it play out because you can start on almost any random page and get there you know within like you know fifteen ten 10 to 15 pages
1: lot i wonder what it would be like if you did that except The very last link in the body text, like before the C also in references.
0: I mean, I think it would probably hold. There'd be a different pattern that might show up for every like numerical one that you could choose. You could choose the first or second or link or like third from last or second from or Zelda or you know any of this. Just like some number from the the start or the end, because but because each page would have multiple numbers like or a different number of links, you couldn't do. You'd have to do it either like as like a percentage of the way through or like this many from
1: the end or this many from the start. That's true. I think I just would I think I just should try clicking on the last link of every page and see where it gets me. You know,
0: you could probably write a program that could like read through all the links and like follow them and like find what all the paths would be and like map Wikipedia. I'm
1: actually sure somebody's probably done that. Cool. If not, with all the free time that you have, get on it. Yes, all the free time. <laughs> all of the free time. Speaking of which, something that's going to
0: be taking up my free time. Well, it, this this is actually my free time. Um, I'm going to be visiting <laughs> the UK pretty soon, which is going to be awesome. Um, so I'm really excited to take some time off of work, mostly. Like, holy cow. Yeah. Just uh, the burnout is definitely real.
1: Didn't we talk about burnout a couple episodes ago? <laughs>
0: yes. Burnout Paradise is also very real. Um, and the rest of the burnout games. But
1: really Lovely good cool. games. Where in the UK are you visiting?
0: Um so I'm going to London. I got some family there. Um and then we're heading up to Scotland near Edinburgh. That's cool. Yeah. Uh so we're staying there for a week and then we're heading back down to London for a few days. Visit the family some more and then head back.
1: Nice. That'll be fun. Yeah. You'll be like in a weird different time zone.
0: Yeah, it's um plus 7 hour 8 hours. Yes, from where we are at it's only eight i thought it was like
1: 10 no not quite that's to like central europe oh okay Mm -hmm. i i'm not gonna try to (laughs) contest the the point because i have no idea yeah i just know that it's for my job a lot gotcha yeah i just know that it creates a weird like when it's day it's night basically kind of thing
0: technically so we're in pst um we are 7 hours Psst. behind U- utc but that's because we're in daylight savings time right now it's normally 8 oh, hours gotcha. behind utc and that's that's yeah. universal coordinated time so that's the um the the one that doesn't change but then right. england does have daylight savings time so they're actually one ahead of that right now so we oh, okay. while we're 7 hours to them we we maintain the 8 hour difference with england because of us both doing daylight savings time. Gotcha. It's kind of awkward.
1: Yeah. Daylight savings time is just a thing that needs to not like there's, yeah. is there, is there any point to it anymore? Was there no, ever a point? Not to really.
0: It? And it actually causes a lot of problems. Like at my work, um, there's a lot of code that is written that is very reliant on time differences because it, you know, if you're getting, you know, ingesting some data into your reporting infrastructure that is is on an hourly basis but it's in a different time zone you have to be able to convert it using like the numerical difference in the hours and so if you don't account for daylight savings time suddenly daylight savings time happens and everything becomes wrong oh yeah yeah (laughs) and then you're just like wait crap (laughs) like how (laughs) do i what (laughs) Hmm.
1: yeah i don't know i don't really get why it's a thing why was it a thing originally didn't have something to do with farming um
0: yeah but i feel like if it's like it's light earlier you can just get up
1: earlier hold on i've got my uh wikipedia tab open let me just uh <laughs> search day let's speaking time. of wikipedia is the practice of advancing clocks during summer months by one hour so that evening daylight lasts an hour longer while sacrificing normal sunrise times uh rationale, that's what we want. <laughs> Industrialized societies generally follow a clock based schedule for daily activities that do not change throughout the course of the year. Okay. Uh blah 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 blah. Why can't I hold all find... these limes? Oh well, whatever. There was a reason. There was there was a reason, a reason. for it why i don't know history whatever doesn't matter there was a reason it had something to do with something in in the past i don't (laughs) care about skimming through all of this text to find (laughs) the answer great wonderful quality content (laughs) as always to be expected
0: yeah providing you the hottest facts straight off the presses there are no presses anymore well i guess there are but do people, printers. like, buy actual newspapers?
1: Yeah. These days, like... It's still a thing. They still exist. Hmm. Not everyone gets all their news off of Facebook and Twitter. Yet. Quat Lear? That's the only place I get my news, though.
0: Facebook news!
1: Yeah. I don't know. I think that I do the foolish thing of just if I don't read news, then I don't have to care or worry about the doomsday clock or you know yeah that's any of that sort of stuff uh it's very easy to tune out yeah i just like to tune into gaming right yeah yeah speaking of doomsday and dying uh we picked up the multiplayer humble bundle which i think is gone now and now it's the space bundle but uh there were a couple games that we played from it that were pretty fun uh, yeah. One of them that we played first was Move or Die, which is basically just a collection of tons of minigames where you run around. It's sort of like Super Meat Boy. In terms meets, of like
0: aware like, to me, a little. Yeah,
1: bit. yeah, definitely. And it's like just 30 second round mini games that you play or shorter, depending on how quickly everyone dies. And you have to keep moving your little character or else you lose <laughs> health and then die.
0: It's, <laughs> it's the mostly title. or die. Everything or die.
1: That's true. Just lots of die. But it's pretty fun. It's a pretty fun little party game. Yeah. We we um, enjoyed it. Found for sure. the plat the jumping a little weird. Yeah, the platforming took a little bit of getting used to, just because the yeah the jumping was kind of funky in terms of it just you the jumping made you feel heavier than it seemed like you were moving everywhere else.
0: Yeah, you were like really speedy but really heavy, and it's just like a very it was a difficult adjustment for me at least i, I think the, yeah the difficulty a lot
1: yeah the adjustment difficulty kind of coming from the fact that it seems so much like super meat boy where you had a lot more jumping power and then the brain is like oh i can just jump really far and it's like no yeah because you move so fast yeah. um well
0: because like super meat boy has pretty fast falling as well but your jump carries you a lot further right yeah it's interesting yeah, did we ever successfully make our own private game or did we just struggle to do that and have to put in a bot?
1: Oh, yeah, no, we did. We were able to, but it's it, it was weird because we had three of us and there's four, but we didn't want randoms coming in and just like wrecking us because we were all <laughs> noob at the game. El, Nub- uh, El Nubarino. But, like to make a private lobby, we had a hard time getting a password set because we would set a password, which was. Oh, yeah. Whatever. And then um, it wouldn't, like, let anybody else enter the password to join the lobby, which was strange. So we had to, like, make the lobby, invite people, and then set the password after the fact. Something kind of workaround but... Eh.
0: Yeah, it may have just been a bug. Probably. Well, I mean, I guess it was pretty clearly a bug. <laughs> that I can't imagine that being intended behavior, unless we were, like, seriously misunder- mis- um, misunderstanding the mechanics. Yeah. Feature. um apparently i don't know if you've played the borderlands 2 uh or pre-sequel claptrap dlc but you have not you go inside his mind and there's these little bugs flying around and you shoot them they yell i'm a feature
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh that's pretty cool yeah i haven't (laughs) played the borderlands pre-sequel but i've played everything of borderlands 2 like Um, actually i kind
0: of burned myself out on borderlands a little bit just from playing so much borderlands 2 yeah. Um literally like hundreds and hundreds of hours. Cause I had multiple friends who all were playing it, and so we'd play co-op all the time. So I had like a bunch of different characters that I had like played through the entire game with, and I'm just like, at a certain point, it was too much. But it is a great game.
1: Yeah, I me and my roommate just did a big like playthrough of everything with main characters. I was who mm-hmm. was he? I think he was he was soldier and I was zero. Um but the we got the handsome collection or whatnot but we never ended up playing the pre-sequel just because by the time we finished Borderlands 2 we were like okay
0: yeah, we're, we're good done.
1: Yeah, on the on the loot
0: you know it might be fun to just go back and play the pre-sequel when it's been a while Um, mm-hmm. like we could play it on PC or something because the yeah. the jumping and like slamming is pretty cool
1: the jumping and slamming
0: yeah because there's low gravity so you can like slam the ground and it doesn't oh. damage and knock back and stuff and there's like certain mechanics with it um,
1: that's
0: cool yeah so it's pretty fun you know maybe we could do that in the future yeah probably oh, yeah. then the other game out of the multiplayer bundle that was really really fun that i think we enjoyed a lot more than matt or De <laughs> move or die um was ultimate chicken horse and that game is yes. awesome oh
1: and my gosh when we yeah when we were looking at the list of games that were in the bundle we were like hey we'll probably get some fun out of ultimate chicken horse like we'd all heard of it and we're interested mm-hmm. in it so I don't think we knew exactly what to expect. We knew kind of the concept, but I think that it it didn't even take a single game for us to be like laughing and having tons of fun with it, because at least so for those who don't know, ultimate chicken horse is a platformer that there's there's levels, but it's basically just kind of like a bare bones environment in which you're in. And the objective is to platform your way to the goal flag. But you have to build the level. And so each round, everyone playing gets the opportunity to pick a piece and add a piece to the level and create it. And you can either make the level possible or make it impossible and mess with your friends and whatnot. (laughs) You can make
0: it really impossible.
1: Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, So some of the items that you can
0: place, you know, you can place just like a normal wall or you can place like a saw blade. You can place like a crossbow that'll shoot. Um, You can place ice to make certain parts slippery. Um, And the game has pretty nice like wall jumping. And platforming mechanics. Um, so there's some pretty cool like tricks you can do to get around some of the obstacles as well.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's also neat because if the level is too easy, meaning everyone completes it, nobody gets any points. Or if the level is too hard and no one completes it, obviously nobody gets yeah. any points. So you have but. to
0: make it like, I've, I think one method that we found to make it that way is having like multiple ways around each obstacle. So you make something that's like, okay, it's difficult to, to get around this saw blade, but you can either go above it and then you run into this other obstacle or you go below it and then you run into the subs other obstacle. So like everyone kind of develops their own strategy on how to complete the level, but then you yeah. can like, you know, screw up other people's routes as well.
1: Yeah. And I think that it's, it, it does a really good job of sort of hitting on a lot of things, at least for me that I enjoy about, gaming, which one, you have the social experience of playing a game with friends in a like low stakes, some fun, simple platforming environment. You have the creative aspect of actually making a level. You have the competitive aspect of trying to mess with your friends and make it hard (laughs) for them, but in a way that you can still complete the level as well and win. And it just kind of like combines all of these elements. And I think really having the creative aspect of, you know, designing the level as you're going through it is really unique and cool because I you know, I, I think that it adds a different layer to it because you can just like be hardcore competitive in terms of like, I'm going to make this like impossible for you while I still am able to do it. Or like the one time we played on uh waterfall, we actually made a really solid level. Yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> kind of unintentionally, which I, I wish it, I, we'd have known at the time you could save levels, but uh, it just like we were kind of building level like, oh, we should put this here. Okay, we'll put this there. And like, it was challenging, but very impossible to complete. And it just was like a, a good platforming level. And it just all happened really organically, which is cool.
0: Yeah, um, I definitely, you know, it ebbs and flows, too, because I feel like, oh, man, I'm like really kind of understanding how to, like, put a level together and have it make sense. And then the next game, I'm just like, wow,
1: this level makes no freaking sense at all. And then, <laughs> and then we play on the pyramid and we're like, oh, what do we even do here? How are we even supposed to, like... So it's the different levels that you play on have different built-in like uh what what's the terrain, word I mean? Basically. Yeah, involves. terrain and traps and whatnot. Um and so like on the pyramid level, there's all ground everywhere except for one little like quicksand pit. And so it's generally a pretty easy level to traverse. But then um the waterfall level, you start out below things. Yeah, and so have if to, you don't like, place
0: any blocks, like you literally can't get
1: to the finish at all. Right. And so I think that depending on the level sort of influences how you create the rest of the level yeah. with the platforms. I definitely
0: felt like we struggled to make a design that was compelling on the pyramid.
1: Yeah, I agree. Whereas the what was it the windmill, which was just like total vertical is uh-huh. just kind of challenging as well in its own right.
0: Yeah. To make it like doable and interesting at the same time. Yeah. Because it was it's like it there was the threshold for making it unreasonably difficult was much lower because
1: of the verticality. I think it was already difficult just yeah. to even get to the goal. But, uh, I, it's, it's really cool. And I'm excited to unlock more levels and keep playing it. Cause I definitely yeah. enjoy. And I think we're going to like get a lot better
0: at thinking about the design and how to put together a level that makes sense as well, which I'm excited for. You know, I definitely want to be flexing those game design chops a little bit more and especially as we talk about like the space game that i'm somewhat working on (laughs) and doing that kind of stuff too
1: yeah it's it's yeah it's a nice way to sort of have some of that going on while still playing a game and chillaxing
0: yeah and there's creative mode too um there's some like other game options uh that we haven't totally explored um but I don't know. Who, yeah. Do you know, is there any continuing development or is it
1: basically done? Uh, I I don't know. I think the last update I saw was sometime in November. Hmm. So it, it's something that might get more updates in the future. Uh, There's a nice little link in game that opens a tab that takes you to like a Google form that you can fill out and be like, what did you like about the game? Give us suggestions, which I thought was kind of cool. Huh. So I, you know, who knows? But uh, if there was anything that I could add to it, I would say just a a bit more variety of items. Yeah. Or maybe like, you know, I think that that's The item pool is a little small. Which is good to start out with. Maybe like have it so you unlock items just because I think that it's a good set of items to work with in terms of like seeing what you can do with them. Yeah. But like, yeah, I I could go for a little bit more variety. The more you play it,
0: it would be cool if you could put like different if you could create like a custom game mode that had a different item set. Yeah, so like that you could be like, tools. oh, you know, saw blades only. So it's like you have to platform on them and do <laughs> interesting things like that, you know. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, you know, actually, what's funny is the the graphical style of the sprites with the little animals kind of reminds me of that open source Worms clone we played back in the day. Um, Wormux? Wormux. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like just with cool. the way that
0: the animals are um, rendered as sprites, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cuz yeah. all the characters in Ultimate Chicken Horse are like different farm animals. There's like a squirrel or a sheep and a pig and a horse. I like how you say farm animals and then
1: you start with squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I farm squirrels, bro. There's also bro, a community I think you farm squirrels? <laughs> no, I don't because they're nuts. But I'm Oh. Sh- yeah.
0: Man. I think I- maybe maybe we should just look into whether the game is modable because That would be an interesting way to add in new elements.
1: Uh, It might be. I don't remember. I I don't remember if it was move or die or ultimate chicken horse. One of them had like workshop something. I think it might have been move or die. But yeah, we can look Mm -hmm. at that. I don't I didn't pay enough attention to definitely the kind of thing that would
0: benefit from that as far as the different items.
1: Yeah totes yeah i remember i made a level in warmux it was pretty easy to do i just literally used i think paint or like yeah apple works or something back in the day because you just had to have two images one that was like the hitbox or the collision of the level and then another one that was like the environment so
0: yeah I like the background yeah yeah that's pretty cool i mean yeah it was basically worms mm-hmm. um, there's been a lot of interesting like open source clone slash remake things that have come out over the years. Um you remember oolite, of course, right? Yes, Ulight. Um actually thinking about it given that it's supposed to be elite, should it be pronounced oolite? Maybe. Cuz it's supposed to be like
1: open elite, open elite. Yeah. I always just called it Ulight because I was thinking it was like elite but light. But that <laughs> makes more sense in I don't know. Uelite. And I'm gonna keep calling it Oolite because Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was I think that was one that was pretty fun because I remember that once I sort of got to the point where I was getting a little bored with Oolite itself, I went into all of like the files and modified all of the values and made like the ultimate power ship and just made some <laughs> shenanigans. I made it yeah. so I could blow up stations and was just like doing all sorts of weird stuff with it but the game was
0: interesting because the way they did the scale of the galaxy was there were like seven jump pages or something like that and so like on each each page of the map you could like jump around there and i think you could get to a different one somehow but it was mm-hmm. just like here's just a map with all these stars on it and there's just like seven more pages of the map
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um so it was kind of an interesting way because the game was fairly low resources
1: yeah, but I think it, it I mean it did a good job for sure especially back then of I mean being at least a, a way of creating some sort of space open travel mechanics. Yeah, I mean
0: it was it was very very basic. Like there was not a lot you could do apart from just shoot things.
1: Right. Well and and being free and us being kids playing it, I think that, that was yes. part of it as well. Right. But you know, to be honest, I never
0: played the original Elite game or games. Um Me neither. I played Ulight and like freelancer and some other things like that. Um, so it's interesting now to then see like elite dangerous and have nostalgia for a clone of elite.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely, I mean, when I, when I saw elite dangerous sort of come up on my radar, uh, that was what I, I thought of. I was like, Oh, Oolite, like, I remember that was, you know, mm-hmm. a, a clone of elite, like the or old elite, which, yeah. I guess it would have been Elite 2 or whatever. I don't know. But uh, and that was sort of what made me more interested in the game was like, ooh, like, ooh, ooh, light, but with like good (laughs) graphics and more content, like for more gameplay. (laughs) Ooh, ooh, oh my. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, my. But uh, speaking of Elite Dangerous, they just released the multi-crew update for their Horizons season. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that it's it's a good. Like start down the road of further development in terms of more like, uh, player interactions outside of just ships floating in space next mm-hmm. to each other. So I'm excited to see where it <laughs> continues to go. Yeah, because that really
0: has been it <clears throat> as far as I mean, you can like do the wingman mode,
1: right? So, and then some which of is the, good.
0: like persistent combat areas. But other than that, it's yep, floating in space next to each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that the scale and size of elite dangerous is something that will just take a while to reach the point that they want the game to be at. So I think it, it's on a, like a 10 year development cycle plan or something. Oh really? Wow. Is what they're looking at. Yeah. I, mean, I think I, I'm, I'm curious sure.
0: to that extent then, like, I mean, it, it makes sense. Maybe that it's just going to be a continually like paid for each part of the content, which I think is going to frustrate some part of the community, but at the same time, how do you pay for such a long development cycle?
1: Well, you think about it in, in all sense. Well, maybe not all sense, but in many sense of the word, it is an MMO. Yeah. You know, you you can play a solo mode, but you're always online and affecting the world that you're playing. in. to some or the galaxy, to right. some extent, based on your actions. So, you know, if you're playing World of Warcraft or any other MMO, there's a subscription fee. Mm-hmm. So it's just a similar thing, except it's more like what content do you want to be able to access while you're playing yeah. the game? So, I mean, I don't know.
0: Yeah, and because they're taking such like a simulation approach to it as well, I think that affects the the length of the development cycle because you, you the things have to work a little more organically.
1: Right. And I also, I don't know if we talked about this at all back in episode one when we were talking about hyping and whatnot, but I think that a lot of people get elite with like the wrong perception. hmm Because I think that when they get the game, they're thinking about... uh Having like a space combat game because all of the trailers and whatnot that you see for it are very much like, yeah, look at all this space action, look at all this raw, and that's not how the the game is at all. I mean, yeah, there's combat and whatnot, but it's not like huge epic fantasy space battles or anything.
0: It's it's just about it's like the it's about the freedom and the sandbox and the open world exploration,
1: really. Right. Well, and it's yeah. a lot as well about the sim mm-hmm. and the, the flight sim of the space game. But when people see the trailer and they're like, oh, look, I can fly a ship and I can shoot a lot of things. Oh, this is awesome. Da 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 da. There is that you know, difference.
0: There definitely, I feel like, have been better combat games, space combat games. Um, and I think, you know, talking about Freelancer again, that's one of the reasons that people like that game so much is because the combat felt really good. Yeah. Um, and it didn't have to have a lot of these other more advanced like simulation aspects because the combat just felt really good. And so, you know, Elite Elite definitely is taking a different approach to kind of its design in that sense that it's much more about like establishing the world and establishing the sim and establishing some of these features like and and now they're getting to the point where they're like, okay, now let's do multi-crew um let's do like the ship-launched fighters that kind of stuff that they're adding in these features that now it's really starting to expand the combat capabilities.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just that a lot of people, when they see these things added in, they're you know I've, I've seen a lot of angry posts about the multi-crew update because it's it's fairly limited in terms of scope. You know, you join a ship, you can't like move around or whatnot. You have right. minimal control over what you can do. Some of it's for the sake of balance, but some of it, I think, is just because it's a new feature. and it's not like they're adding a new ship or a new weapon into the game. They're adding a whole new you know infrastructure in the way that players connect. Together, like they added yeah. in a matchmaking system, essentially where you queue to be like, "Hey, I want to go bounty hunting," and someone else opens their ship and is like, "Hey, I'm going to go bounty hunting. Like, let's get some crew members aboard." And so, like having that new set of infrastructure established in the game is a, is a big deal. And you know, yeah, it takes so, a lot of development, right? It's something that yeah is going to be starting out a bit more smaller in scale, but I think it's really important that they're adding the groundwork for all of these other features that are going to come. And and we sort of talked about this before. I think when we were discussing elite, but um, that there's not a ton of content to necessarily keep you engaged. And a lot of it is going to be what you decide to do and what your role is in your space career. And so when they introduced like your customizable avatar, people sort of were similarly kind of upset and people, just the vocal minority, maybe. But who knows? About, they were like, why did you, you know, why adding this feature? It's pointless. You know, who needs to have a customizable avatar, add more content to the game, give us more gameplay. But, like, being your journey, yeah, being a, a flight simulation game and a space sim game to any extent, it's really important that you have an identity and you have a ship identity and, like, all of that stuff. I think that it's a really key feature to add in and to have in place for all of the other things that they want to put in later on. And I think that if they were to add tons and tons of, you know, game content and whatnot. Now, a lot of that might have to be reworked as they add more new kinds of infrastructure for how players interact or, you know, combat interacts or all of that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. down the road.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of it is that people, for whatever reason, when a game keeps releasing expansions and you have to pay in this way, it's like, I think people get frustrated with that model, whereas sometimes they're more willing to pay a subscription fee, even though like something like Wow, I guess does both. But um, I don't know. It you know if you don't have the backing of like a ton, a ton of funding, I, I you just you need that. Like you, they need to keep because it's not it's this isn't going to be the kind of game that it's going to have a massive enough player base that they can just have a wash of sales that'll you know pay for all the development for the next five years. All they need right. to continue making some amount of money. Like, and it's not even gonna be a huge amount of money for them. Mm -hmm. Or like people buying the expansions, because like, you know, for us, we bought it on a sale, etc. Um, you know, we waited a long time to do it. All that kind of stuff comes into play. But, you know, at the
1: end of the day, they do need something to carry them through. And they do have a pretty strong core community that I'm sure wouldn't mind paying a subscription fee once it gets later down and there is more content and more gameplay to, you know, I think warrant that. And they mm-hmm. can sort of use the subscription based model to continue to add new content. Once the main infrastructure of the game is sort of right. created and set in stone Because
0: at the end of the day, that's what's going
1: to pay for that content. Right. And I, I agree that, you know, players are sort of like, oh, they're just releasing another, you know, like cash grab season pass and whatnot. But it, they've they've only done the one horizons and the base game so far. And I mean, yeah, there's going to be another one later down the road, but they also aren't neglecting people that don't have horizons. With every update that they've added for Horizon specific content, they've improved and added more to the base game. Like they revamped the entire mission system, which was mm-hmm. awful. <laughs> so yeah. you know, there. But that wasn't like exclusive to Horizons only players. They're still like adding things to the game for even people who are just playing it without being able to land on planets and whatnot. So. Um, I think the crew stuff, all horizons. Yeah. The multi crew stuff is horizons, but there was a bunch of other updates and improvements that uh, came out with the patch. Yeah, that wasn't, I think the hard thing is just their development cycles is much more behind closed doors. Whereas with a game like rust that you have an update every week, that's smaller and maybe right. more bug inducing, you know, the frontier development team is looking for bigger updates. that are polished more. So,
0: yeah. Well, and given that they're, you know, releasing like paid expansions they kind of have to be well i mean i guess polish isn't really the right term for them in the sense of like the, the content itself isn't polished but it's like the 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 systems they're putting in place aren't like completely breaking the game like right or it's not like the they kind of thing in something like rust potentially
1: yeah well like rust has re- revamped the core of the game now two different times when they went from blueprints to uh Experience right. to components, whereas like you're not going to get that in Elite. They're going to work things out and make sure that the system that they're implementing is going to work, and maybe they'll tweak it, but they're not going to have an overhaul because they have a very specific timeline that they're at least trying to keep, you know. As the missions their missions
0: would kind of count as an overhaul.
1: Yeah, I I suppose so.
0: Um, but that was definitely necessary. And it, but yeah, like everything else, it's like okay, they're adding in entire new systems. Um, yeah. That's fair, And I think, you know, maybe it does make sense that as you add in an entire new systems, then you need to go back and tweak the way they interact with each other. Um, And I think that's also part of what was necessary for the missions.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I don't I I don't want it to sound like we're just like inflating the dangerous ego and making it out to be like a great game. It definitely has its issues as it's being continued to be developed. (laughs) And And it also is something that, you know, yeah, if you're looking for a space fighter shoot game, it's not gonna it's not gonna do that for you like I the thing that got me most excited about getting horizons and being able to land on planets was just that flying around on planets doing silly stuff probably crashing my ship a few times but just like having this open freedom to explore and having more of an incentive to do so for myself just as like a casual fun thing to do yeah and you know combat is still fun and it's gonna be fun in its regard but like that's not the main draw for me and I think that there's a little bit of a disconnect between like obviously the marketing for the game wants to make it like really appeal to the average gamer to sell more copies. But I think that that could be some of where there's a bit of misconception just based on like the, the trailers and whatnot. But then again, you look at any of blizzards trailers for like world of Warcraft and you're like, you know, these obviously pre-rendered CG cinematics. Yeah. Compared to like clicking buttons on a keyboard repeatedly (laughs) and whatnot. But uh, you know, it is what it is. Marketing is always going to kind of overhype things to an extent, as we discussed back in so the, many times. Yeah, back in the first episode. Yeah, but Elf Progetto. Yeah, but TLDR, Elite Dangerous, I think is still fun, and it's way more fun to play with other people and fly around in space and yeah. do cool space stuff. I chill out on planets. You know, have
0: struggled to like get into it at times, but but then at other times have played a lot and. Um, I definitely think that what's going to help take it to the next level is when they start to add in some more of the community interaction features in the game, because like we've been talking about, a lot of the community interaction happens outside of the game on the forums, etc. Yeah. Um, And if they start to integrate that into the gameplay a little more, I think that'll really do a lot to engage players more with the universe because right now, if you don't know a lot about how the game works and how the background sim is happening, it's actually quite easy to just fly around and be like, "There's nothing. This there's nothing happening here. This is pointless." Like, oh yeah, there's, there's actually a ton going on if you know what to look for.
1: I, I will have to say that I've spent a ton of time outside of the game reading about the game and learning because the game does a very poor job of teaching you the mechanics and how the game functions as, you know, yeah. a galaxy and just in in general what what matters and what's important and how to maneuver things the trainings are kind of buggy and not very well implemented at all so i think that it could yeah. stand to use a, a much better in-game tutorial system that isn't just youtube videos i think that having the videos is helpful <laughs> but like they they got to add something in there at some point that helps new players because there's a huge you know kind of burden of knowledge threshold to get over just to yeah. be able to really play the game
0: i think you know one way is make some method of organically learning the knowledge within the game right as you're playing like you know maybe you can get information about certain things from npcs like they'll give you tips if you do something helpful for an npc or something like that you know Um, yeah
1: yeah because the game the game is designed to be very open but in that regard yeah there needs to be like a tutorial area where you're safe and the game sort of handholds you as it's like, Hey, we need you for this very special mission. Go to this other station and deliver this data. Like that tells you how to leave from a station, fly to another station, mm-hmm. dock, turn into mission, accept a new mission. Like, you know, all of these things as like a tutorial type of deal or like you're, you're a new pilot that's being recruited into this thing. And so your sidewinder ship is a rental and they're like, we need you yeah. to run these missions and then you can run the ship. Into the universe. Yeah. And so, you know, they can establish however they want to. But I think that that would be really, really important for new players coming in to just, you know, be able to be given that direction. So they're like, oh, okay, this is what I can be doing or this is what I, you know, maybe should be doing if I want to make money or if I want to trade. Like, yeah, something along those lines just to, you know, and you can make it skippable if they want to, like there could be a, an option to be like skip in game introduction or whatever. But I, I really think that that would be so beneficial for new players getting into the game. I agree. And then, yeah, like you said, having the amount of community interaction that takes place outside of the game and finding a way to implement that in the game definitely would be helpful. And I think yeah. that the multi crew is a good step in that direction in terms of getting a new way to interact between players, but Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking
0: stuff like, you know, the ability to join up with NPC organizations, the ability to create maybe potentially hybrid player NPC organizations. So, like, you know, if you get enough influence, you actually have an effect on, like, what that NPC organization's strategy is on in the background sim. Like, that would be super cool. Um, And and if you tied players in with that, then you just really open up the interactivity of the world.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it would... Again, there are there are definitely factions and or, or minor factions that have a very strong player base. That's like we belong to this, quote unquote, even though there's no way to pledge to a minor faction.
0: Yeah, but there's no the way game. to do it in the game, really, except right. for just like increasing your <laughs> reputation with them.
1: Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I, I agree that would be good to have some way to sure.
0: solidify that that relationship, basically, because it's you have to like lay your own narrative on top of it. And and to some extent, that's always going to be what elite is about, right? It's laying your own narrative on top of the game's features. Yeah, but they can do things to make it easier to do that.
1: Right, I I agree, and I hope that we see that uh, because I think that's a really big part of the game is the community interaction, and I think that's if you don't have that, it's really easy to get burnt out on it because it just becomes all about the money or all about you know. At least for me, what kind of burnt me out on in a while ago was trying to min max everything and just earn as much money as I possibly could in the shortest amount of time because I wanted to get new things. But yeah. then I was and then like, it is a giant grind fest. Yes, but it doesn't it doesn't have to be. It is if you approach it as a giant grind fest, but if you approach it as a game to play and do what you want for the sake of fun, then it's fun. But if you're like, I want to get the ship right now, so I need to do all of the things to get the most money immediately, then it's like going to just be unfun. And yeah, grind fest unfun fest yeah
0: it it is kind of interesting how some games it is really easy to do that to yourself and make them unfun. yeah I think like some competitive games as well for a lot of people have that have that to them you know it's like just because the community so involved in it and like so intense about it
1: yeah I think that kind of happened with me a little bit uh, with rocket league when I was really trying to, like, achieve a certain rank, mm-hmm. I I got burnt out on it because I was struggling to achieve that certain rank and it kind of became un, unfun, weirdly. Yeah. Just because I was so intently focused on this one thing and I stopped playing the game for the sake of playing it for fun. Right. And then it was not fun.
0: Yeah, I've always felt that, like, the most fun way to do that competitive type of gameplay is when it's, like, more in-house so like oh you know maybe we have we have our doubles team and then we find another doubles team to play against that like we're friends with and like playing against them or maybe we have a couple of teams and then we do like a mini bracket
1: yeah like that that would be so much fun i love that sort of thing that's why when we were you know sort of talking about doing like our own rust server with the three of us like that to me would be really fun because i would much rather you know get killed and have all of my stuff stolen by one of you guys as opposed to some, like, <laughs> internet random, you know. Because right. there's it's, no connection it's a very there. different. Like, they're right. going
0: to be there one game and then gone the next. And there's no... It Again, we've talked about this before with kind of multiplayer gaming now. it's It seems more difficult to, like, find those organic relationships because of the structure of, of how the multiplayer is.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's just kind of going to continue to be internet multiplayer as it's going forward. Yeah. it's going to become more impersonal. And well, I mean, I guess it's already pretty impersonal. Or it can be at least. But
0: yeah, you really have to be very intentionally looking for that, which means that you're only interacting with other people who are also intentionally looking for that. Yeah. And and I think that's just that's a you know, we've talked about this before as well, but it's a natural part of the pool being a lot larger. Whereas when it is right. a lot smaller, for whatever reason you get more people who are like-minded so it's a lot easier to be open to that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, but yeah, I mean like definitely as much as I love Rocket League, I think it's very real that, you know, with a 5-minute game time and an easy queue, it's very easy to just be like, okay, just quit, requeue, quit, requeue, quit, requeue. Like
1: yeah. And you know, especially you- in in like 1v1 games, I definitely got into the issue where it's easy to get too tilted and get salty and just be like nope done rage quit new game just be like i will do this like smashing my head against the metaphorical wall repeatedly (laughs) yeah but yeah no it totally it totally kills it to do that and you know that's why I've, i've been taking a break from playing rocket league on my own and just doing it when it's with you know you guys because it's more fun that way gaming for me has definitely evolved into much more of a social experience and I appreciate it for that. Like, that's why ultimate chicken horse is great because it's, it's got that little bit of competitive edge between all of us, but at the same time, it's full of laughter and yeah. shenanigans, which is primo. <laughs> it's not like a, you
0: know, hardcore competitive experience. It's not, yeah, it doesn't need to be strictly balanced, although it is balanced in the sense that like, you know, it's whatever you create. Yeah. But like, like I can. everyone has a fair shot.
1: I can do awful. And Be okay with it, you know. Whereas (laughs) it's as opposed to you know something like in Rocket League or Overwatch, where if I'm doing awful, I'm feeling worse about yeah things.
0: Although I think again, something with Overwatch is if you know we had more time, more opportunities to play with a full team of six or just with like six people who we knew, and then like play queue because then then you don't worry about the trickle feeding, and you're just like, okay, let's just group up and fight. It becomes a lot more chill.
1: Or, yeah, exactly. Or it's the kind of thing where it's just, you sort of do whatever you want. And if you are losing or doing bad, it's like, okay, let's try these random team combinations and see uh-huh. what works. Yeah, and as long as you're, like, just, like, group up as a team
0: and go in, you have a fairly decent shot.
1: Yeah,
0: I've, I've start to, started to appreciate Overwatch more and more because of that. Although, the frustrating part about it is that only, like, 40% of games actually play out that way.
1: Um, right.
0: And that's... Again, a struggle with multiplayer games in general is that you can have a game that has a really nice design and then no one will play it in that way because multiplayer like (laughs) right matchmaking.
1: Well, I've been I've been having a lot of fun with Overwatch lately because I've Mm -hmm. been playing it as a for fun game and looking at it more as, you know, I don't I don't really care so much about the team composition or, you know, I care about playing to do well, but Mm -hmm. I'm focused more on improving my individual skill or like aiming and whatnot as opposed to winning the game you know so if we're doing bad and losing it's like not as big of a deal because i'm not playing it for to win all the games yeah. are super competitively i'm like, doing it
0: okay let's more as, like, yeah make sure i'm grouped up and then like aim a little bit and see what happens like
1: <laughs> <laughs> aim a little bit just a little bit not too much aiming because you know don't, You're like, oh yeah my aim's improving edge. awesome cool <laughs> yeah that's yeah basically where i've been at with it but I think that I can definitely fall into that trap. And heck, I did this back in the day with Halo 3 on Xbox Live was I got to the point where I was playing it too competitively to get the rank and it sort of started becoming unfun. But I had enough people that I had met through, you know, matchmaking or just and custom via custom games to just chill and play custom games. And so I really transitioned from playing it super competitively to chill, random, fun custom games where we were just hanging out and playing games for for the fun and for the social experience as well. And I think that I'm sort of back in that phase in terms of my gaming again, which is fine, but it's just very different now because I don't have as many internet people to game with, I guess. Yeah.
0: Well, I think it was interesting because when we were playing Xbox, it was a very much a hybrid between internet people and real life friends because there were a lot of real life friends that we had on Xbox too. Yeah. And so it, I think it like, because then you get all of their random people. So you're, it makes you more accustomed to interacting with people who are more random. So you make more random
1: friends. Yeah, you get more friend of a friend interaction. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like that was, I, I would agree that that was how I met a lot of people through Xbox Live was friend of friend. That they, they mm-hmm. had some friends that they'd met online. I had some friends that I'd met online. And then through the real life friend connection, they would join the games and it'd be like, oh, hey, you're yeah, cool. Yeah, you just get and a larger then, and larger pool. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas it's like because you
0: you have to be so much more selective now because the pool is so much larger, right? You don't get as much of that friend-to-friend interaction.
1: Well, oh, and yeah, and people are gonna be more closed off as well because they're like, okay, we have our people, like we're we're done. We're now like this cloistered community, mm-hmm. <laughs> never never reaching out, which I, I get. I totally I, I understand it. But yeah, <laughs> it makes it difficult to it just doesn't happen as as
0: organically it's it's like i said like i said it's much more intentional yeah so it's just it's a shift but yeah so as far as overwatch um what'd you think of the event i was kind of thought it was like cool but at the same time they're not really like pushing the boundaries of what they can do with it that much it's just okay play through king's row back and forth
1: and yeah so it was yeah really it was a it's a pve event where you're Capturing a couple points and then escorting a payload and then killing a few specific enemies. And it's it's all right. You know, I, I maybe on harder difficulties it's more difficult, but like it wasn't even that it was easy, it just was that there wasn't much there. You're fighting robots and you fight the you shoot the robots and you do the thing. It's basically just like like you said, yeah, playing through King's Row both ways. You go to one side of the map, then you go back to the other side of the map, with different objectives. And it's like it's 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 cool and interesting, but I I don't know. I didn't I didn't care so much about the, the like the things I was fighting. The Halloween event was cool because I don't know. I felt like the robots were a little more unique in character.
0: But well, and the fact that it had like the personality of Junkenstein and and the like special enemies. That yeah, were characters. That actually like tied it in a lot more because it's like, oh, shit, now there's a Reaper. Like,
1: <laughs> whereas, yeah, like the the Bastion and Orisa enemies in this are just more robots. Yeah. It's not like, look, I'm a super cool, like badass version of Bastion. It's like, nope, you're generic robot Bastion man, because generic robot. Yeah, it didn't. Bastion.
0: They definitely didn't feel as impactful as the characters in the Halloween event. For sure. Right.
1: Um, yeah, I think you're right that that was a big aspect of it as well.
0: <laughs> I wonder if that's just because, like you said, it's like they're robots, so they're
1: just not as visually distinct. or it could be, yeah. I just want them to do a movie, mm-hmm. like cool, good for them trying to do like more PPE stuff, but make a movie. I love the characters of Overwatch, and I would I like the lore, and I would really like to see them in a in an animated film,
0: yeah, or they needed some some more sort of like boss. End character to the new PV event. to make It was it the four,
1: like. the four orisas were the kind of boss.
0: Yeah, which is just like okay, here's some orisas just kill them, and yeah. like, but if it was like here's on like Mega orisa who's like blah 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 and like talks to you and says who's
1: blah 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 blah. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like that would I think again that would make it more immersive because now you're now there's a character there, whereas like killing the four orisas is just like oh they're just robots like whatever they don't they mm-hmm. don't they don't interact with you in any way
1: yeah i don't know
0: it, i was kind of mad about it
1: yeah me too i mean it was cool to play through once it's like fine, whatever I got my boxes <laughs> yeah exactly it's like cool i'll get the the loot boxes from beating it yeah. but otherwise it's like
0: oh right, i don't really have any next. desire to try and like beat it on the hardest difficulty or anything like that it just yeah, seems be annoying it's like, oh, well, if you don't do enough damage to kill all the robots fast enough, you just lose.
1: Yeah, right. exactly. It's not going to make the experience any better. It's just going to make it that you have to do more damage and take less damage. Yeah, it's not going to make the experience better, I would say. Right. Um.
0: So maybe we're like the anti-hype killing the buzz, but I know a lot of people are excited about it. Um. And hopefully there's more to come. You know, they. I know there's like, teasing the doom fist thing
1: a lot <laughs> yeah I, it's not you know it's not that the content they've added to the game has been lackluster like i think with every event the skins and you know the customizing things that they have are pretty cool i think that yeah. it's just the like the pve thing or the mode that comes along with it is them more so testing the waters like they did with the capture the flag uh yeah, for the like we new year for
0: overwatch and what doesn't yeah.
1: So I mean I you know I can't fault them for trying it out cuz like why not? It's a temporary thing. If it doesn't work, psh, it's gone.
0: And I guess in that sense the the structure of the PvE event did work. Like the gameplay itself was functional and it, like it made sense. Yeah. It just it needed more m- more paint, I guess.
1: <laughs> more more character, more pizzazz. Yeah. More jazz hands.
0: Just yeah, just a little bit of you know, that extra Last, like, not even the technical touch at that point. Um, the, the extra little bit of character interaction. Yeah.
1: Give and, me a reason. And
0: I guess they do have that with the dialogue, you know, and it being Tracer's first mission and stuff.
1: But, yeah. So there, there's like that story of it, but in terms of just like fighting robots, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Which is why I'm saying they just need to make a movie. Then there you go.
0: Or have had something unexpected happen. Like, because <laughs> yeah, if it was like some like enemy that you didn't expect to be allied with the robots, like showed up in the last area, that would have been co- extra cool as well.
1: It's like, ha ha ha. I am evil Zenyatta.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, oh, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, you know, it's cool. I think that it's good for them to push new boundaries with Overwatch. So always good to try.
0: But, you know, they always got to make sure they're. Watching over the game. Uh, No, I'm just going to retract that statement. (laughs) Too late.
1: It's on the Internet for good. no No going back.
0: The memes, they'll be never ending, never ending fountain of memes.
1: Yeah, really, though. Our uh, notes for this episode are just the epitome of us being. People. Yeah, that good description.
0: We certainly are people. We're I'm I'm weird people.
1: I would like to think that I'm also weird people, but, you know, multiple weird people. You don't know what's going on inside my head. You don't know me. <laughs> you don't know my life. You don't know, my story. <laughs> but uh, speaking of. Could say what? I said was Blaga. Oh, so you said nothing. Yeah. I thought you said something meaningful and or important. No, I was trolling. Oh, Use Use troll and stop it. No, (laughs) get out of here. Mems. Mem, 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 mem. But uh, speaking of life and things, we are essentially going to be going on, I guess, an indefinite hiatus Hiatus. from Tune Into Gaming as a podcast. Not that it hasn't been, you know, a lot of fun doing these and like Mm -hmm. making the episodes and whatnot. But I think that a lot of fun where we want to do our focus where we want to do our focus whoa where we want to have our focus with like our our extra time and our creativity we we're kind of kind of try and shift that a little bit more towards um you know like working on our music and working on the space game and things like that just mm-hmm. a little bit more um and i mean it's not to say that we won't ever do more tune into gaming episodes in the future i think that we just are kind of running out of topics that we want to discuss and honestly we don't play enough different games at this point in time to continually update things. We don't stay up enough on new gaming news. So it's just kind of been like the trickle of having really good structured outlines for our, our episodes has been just kind of dwindling. And I mean, we can sit and talk random memes and nonsense for forever. And if that's what you guys would like to listen to, then cool. But let us know in the non-existent,
0: you know, visitor mail that we've been getting visitor mail, (laughs) listener (laughs) mail, viewer mail, whatever words are words. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Um, Yeah. You know, I think. Part of what I originally wanted to use this podcast for was as a platform to talk about some of the content that we were creating as well. Um, And I think just due to our limited schedules in general, you know, it makes more sense to focus a little bit more of our time on producing that con that other content because to some extent that's the content that I would want to talk about. (laughs) And I think, you know, as we start doing that a little more, that's when the podcast episodes are going to start to come back.
1: Yeah. And so it's not it's not goodbye forever because I I do enjoy I do enjoy the tune into gaming thing (laughs) that we've got going, but uh we'll think of this as like season one. (laughs) with with the, you know, Trademarked soon for season two. Yeah, this isn't but,
0: uh, on like a specific schedule. <laughs>
1: right, and also especially just with your uh, UK trip, yeah. it'll sort of put us off schedule quite a bit anyway. Not that I'm like blaming you, but in terms of like no <laughs> lining things up of having like our hiatus from the podcast, yeah. it's sort of we're
0: gonna end up skipping out. the second April episode anyway. Um, so it just kind of made sense.
1: Yeah. So that that'll that'll be. The lucky episode 13 that'll kind of wrap things up at least for a while. But just because there won't be new content doesn't mean that you can't listen to all of the old episodes. I mean we've got 13 pretty solid over episodes and of and over and over and over again. Maybe you don't want to listen to him that many times because you have to hear him. But you know, maybe once or twice because my, my voice is my voice is there. And that's your that's, sultry delicious voice. <laughs> Was that supposed to be like enticing or terrifying? Because I got terrified. It was like enticing Dracula. Why are you enticing Dracula? I don't know. You know, he just he wants to suck your blood. (laughs) Okay. so, you know, for more nonsense like that, all of the episodes will remain up on uh, Libsyn and on iTunes. So totally, if you're hearing this as the first one, there's 12 other episodes you can listen to. Uh, And there might be more by the time you're hearing this. Who knows? But feel free to still like. To get in contact with us tell us what you've liked about the podcast tell us what you haven't liked or what you want to hear more of or things like that you can yeah. tweet at us at tune into gaming and we'll or you can let
0: you guys know when upcoming episodes um are are gonna happen through the yeah. twitter twitter uh,
1: and then if twitter's not your thing but you still want to contact us through the visitor email thing listener email, you, you ah! Do the listener email? You made me do the <laughs> thing. Uh, you can email us at tuneintogaming@gmail.com at gmail dot com. You sure can. As well, but I don't know. You have anything else you want to talk about? For uh, our shenanigans, shenanigans.
0: I think that was one of the name of my League of Legends Smurf accounts. Sh- shenanigans. Probably. Pretty solid. Um. In any case.
1: I've been quactical. And I have been and will continue to be North Kozar. And until next time. Whenever that may be, to moon out.